0: Welcome to another edition of Wedding Talk Radio. I'm your host, Kyle Brown, from the Bridal Association. Today, we get the pleasure of listening to Shane McMurray from The Wedding Report. But before we dive in, I just want to remind everyone to please take a moment and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, iTunes, Google Play, etc., whatever it might be. And also, while you're there, please make sure that you give us a quick review. It's what keeps us in the rankings, and we really, truly appreciate it. You can also check out the video from today's podcast on our YouTube page. To find that, just go to our website, weddingtalkradio.com, and select Shane McMurray. And also, when you get to our YouTube page, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. We appreciate that so much. So sit back and enjoy our interview with Shane. Ladies and gentlemen, Shane. Shane. (laughs) Nice nice to meet everyone. (laughs) In, In person. My favorite introduction. Before I, uh, before I let you start, was Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, she, I think camera was a Grammy's or something like that. She goes, I want to introduce somebody who needs no introduction. And then she just walked off stage. She, <laughs> I mean, When you say they don't need an introduction, he... <laughs> yeah. So, anyways. I'll just give
1: you, I mean, I'll give you some of my background in history so you know who I am and don't think I'm full of crap talking, but if you want. <laughs> does that work okay all right um so primarily uh i am a software engineer i've been developing software since the early 90s uh back in the the days of dos and uh 8088 processors uh i used to build computers from scratch i mean i was fascinated by them i started coding database stuff like right away as soon as i was like what is this i was working in sales and in the, in the uh, hair industry at the time and so I started wanting to track like my sales and and the people I was doing business with and things like that. So I just I, I was fascinated with computers. Uh, from there, I went into um, uh, basically right away went into working for um, uh, Intuit. My first tech support job was doing TurboTax support. So if you if you had TurboTax questions back in the mid '90s, I might have helped you at one point with your printer. Uh, and then. Um, after that, I worked in the healthcare industry. I went to a, a healthcare startup and helped them develop a uh, healthcare system, basically that allowed doctors to connect uh, data across multiple health plans. This was like the first. This was no one was really doing this at the time. This was like late nine, 1990, right before the dot-com crash, basically. Uh, and then I helped them build that system. And then uh, from there, I went and worked into, into um, in the early 2000s. I started a paper company with my wife, which spawned into the wedding report because we needed data about invitations and where um, i was basically making paper from scratch with pulp and stuff and then we needed data to figure out like how, how many people get married i mean how much do they spend on wedding invitations and uh, there wasn't anything out there at the time so uh, i went out and did my own research started collecting data from thousands of people across the country figuring out the whole process and how it looked. And um, and then basically out of that spawned the wedding report in 2005. Um, I also have worked in the defense industry, uh, helped them build a system that helps uh, basically a program, which is a technology that uh, to manage their cost, schedule, and risk. And actually I'm on a patent for some of that work that I did, which is kind of cool being an inventor. Um, but all the time working in the wedding report, working on data, collecting data, probably collected like, I don't know, to date probably over 600,000 survey samples from people getting married, from people that work in this business, um, you name it. And uh, so that's my passion is really is is data, understanding data, how it connects together, uh, what are the patterns, you know, it's funny. I like to actually do data analysis for fun, which is kind of weird, but, um, you know, you might see me like walk by my desk and see me looking at a bunch of numbers on my monitors and I'm just looking for patterns and trying to figure out how things correlate together, you know, uh, particularly around spending and how, um, you know, the, the, the realities of how weddings connect back to the economy and, um, and local markets and all those things. So, um, that Thus, the wedding report. Uh, in 2007, I actually incorporated the wedding report, and so it's been a corporation since that time, uh, and I'm still doing it today. So here we are. What do you want to know, Kyle?
0: Well, so obviously, you've been uh, running statistics, and, and you really drill down to almost the zip code area, not just the city. Yeah. Um, where, where do you get a lot of this data from? I mean, obviously you do surveys as well, but you can't talk to.
1: Sure. So the process is, uh, and this, this actually is the process that the census uses and that, uh, demographers use it. If you, a demographer is someone that basically takes data, creates demographics for a market. And, uh, the way that it works is basically you collect data from survey samples, which is what the census does with their annual, um, American community survey do a biannual business survey but but basically you're collecting samples out of a market and from the samples you have to have a diverse population right so you need you know people that are different ages you need people that are different incomes you need people that are different uh, uh genders you need people that are different racial backgrounds you need people that are different educations etc at different jobs um so you need and then you need diverse sample between like large populations and small populations. So what you do is once you collect samples, you take those data and you create models with the data that you have, and then you generate. You you have to take the model data and then you take local data and you have to marry those together. So you you say, oh, okay, what's the correlation between uh, education and uh, spending or education and People that get married so you have to figure out what the correlations between those are and you have to model that out across all of the geographies we have in the u.s. same thing with all the little demographic pieces so uh, race education uh, income occupation um, and you, and then you, and you just an age and you model those out and uh, the um, Census actually has a lot of good data that you can model out demographics from, from the American Community Survey. One of the questions they ask in that survey is around whether you got married in the past 12 months. And so the cool thing about that is, is then you can look at the demographics of people that are getting married in a very large sample base. um, In a matter of like, so from 2008, which is when they started collecting that, uh, that question up until 2017, they had over almost four hundred thousand samples just for people that got married and so you can then model out uh demographics around that and patterns so that you can then take that and figure out your correlations between your survey data so that's really the, essentially the process and then you take demographics data and economics data from local markets and you try to you you model that back into that data so that you can figure out what the patterns are for those markets that's essentially how all demographers do it. That's how the census does their, um, their stuff for their, their surveys. It's the process. That's how it works.
0: Okay. And so how often do you, are you continually collecting data or is it something that every 90 days it updates or something like that? Or is it just like every day there's new data coming in?
1: Well, I'm constantly collecting data every day Uh, I don't use it until later that year um, because the, you know, the wedding business, and a couple of years ago, I I just had said, uh, oh, I'm going to do every quarter, you know, spending updates every quarter. Boom, boom, boom. And the reality is, is that the market doesn't really change that much for weddings. uh, So there's no sense in really updating it every quarter. Um, A lot of work to do it and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, So, yeah that's i mean i'm collecting data every single day that we i mean every minute of the day i'm collecting okay. data and then we use that later on in the year
0: okay um, so, so the reason i asked that question is because obviously a lot of things have changed since march you right. know as far as are you getting data as far as cancellations versus postponements or um I, I don't know what what are you what are yeah, you seeing
1: sure sure um So another thing, well, I just want to back up just one second. So one more thing that I think is important about the way that I collect data is I collect data in the process of people spending. So I try to capture them while they're in the process of planning their wedding and spending their spending their money, not actually when they're done. And it's six months past their wedding date. Okay. The reason I do that is because I think it's more uh, consistent with what's happening in the economy today, not what happened like 12 or 18 months ago. And so that's, I think that's super important to understanding how patterns are happening today versus, you know, in the, in the past. Um, so I sent out a survey to vendors that were on my list. I have a list of like 20,000 people right now. Um, I sent an email out to those folks. Uh, I sent a, uh, an email out to uh, brides that I already have access to that fill out our survey and done, and then I've done work with. And uh, we, we got about 1,200 responses between the two sample bases. And then uh, from that, um, I asked, basically, are you canceling? Are you, um, are you rescheduling for later in 2020? Or are you rescheduling for later in 2021? Those were the questions I asked couples that were getting married. On the vendor side, I asked them, basically, what percentage of their business was rescheduling, what percentage of their business was um, canceling, and so on. And, um, I think, I don't know, did you, were you on the email, Kyle?
0: I wasn't, Uh, I need to be. (laughs) I thought I sent it
1: to you, but let me just hang on. Um, Let me just look so I can give you the right stuff before I start blurting off.
0: (laughs) And by the way, everybody else, if you have a question, either put it in chat or like I said, just raise your hand and I'll bring you in. And, uh, you can ask a question.
1: Uh, basically I said, um, let's see, hold on. I don't even remember. Uh, hold on. Sorry guys. It's all good. I should, I should have this ready for you already.
0: Uh, <laughs> While you're pulling that up. I, I um, one of the other questions I had for you is, you you seem to drill down pretty pretty tightly on areas, and it, it does seem to be very accurate. But um, when I pull up Bakersfield or nine three three oh nine or whatever, how is it you determine that a Bakersfield area is nine hundred and forty two dollars for a DJ versus? Arvin, or you know, or whatever.
1: uh, It's all about the model and the data that came back from the market surveys. So um, You know when you model uh, when you when you When you look at the economics of things and you try to model it you're, You're really looking for what are the correlations between these patterns and these patterns And how can I marry those two together when you don't have enough data for this market? I mean, it would be impossible to get enough samples for every single market. I mean, honestly, I've been trying to figure out how can I get every single bride to come through? You know, like I was thinking, I'll manage all the licensing for free just so I can collect the samples and get the data, but I don't think anybody will go for that. so anyway, so that's how you have to do it. You have to look at the, the correlations in that, and then you have to and you have to look at the patterns in those markets, and you and you have to marry those two together. That's how you
0: get to it. Have you thought about maybe reaching out to like us or you know other associations or groups in areas and maybe have them collect the data from their members or their brides or whatever, and then feed that back to you and just kind of collaborate. Yes. I used to actually
1: collect data from uh, people that work in the space. Uh, I'm actually looking at going back to it. The only problem is, is that, you know, the people getting married actually have the full picture. Mm -hmm. Um, The people working in the space typically only have a little subset of that. Um, Also too, if you have too many people that are in the professional side of the space, you actually miss out on the other segment of the market, which is the lower end. Um, so you have, I mean, when you're looking at it from an economics perspective, it's not just people that hire professionals. You have to look at the whole thing because, gotcha. um, you know, otherwise you don't have a real accurate picture of the full market. I mean, I think one of the reasons that we have a lot of universities, uh, we have a lot of, um, people that do research or want like work in insurance and other things that use our data is because we're looking at the full spectrum of the market. We're trying to understand like, what is the real economics here, not just the professional side.
0: Gotcha, so like an example would be, I'm gonna use you Colleen for an example, but if she were to survey all of her brides and they all were great and they answered all the questions, it would skew the data to say that 100% of brides are are booking coordinators, you know, our wedding (laughs) clinics. Yes, exactly.
1: Right. Or if you all, if all of your population that's responding to your survey are professional or in the professional space, higher end, right. and all the people that are answering the survey are in that higher end, then it's skews it towards the higher end. There's just no, no other way around that. So right. that's why I said in the beginning, you need a diverse sample population. And so, um, anyways, that, that's the, that's the thought pattern that's happening in my mind and why, you know, why, you know, someone will look at it and go, well, that's not what I charge. Well, I understand that's not what you might charge, but that's the reality of the market in general. So. Gotcha. Um, okay. So back to the data you were pulling up. Yeah. I mean, and that includes people that hire their friend. I mean, how many people have friends who are photographers, right? They say, hey, right. look, I'll do your wedding. Don't worry about it. I'll do it for, you know, a couple hundred bucks or, yeah. uh, you know, all of those things have to factor in. How do you understand the real economics of it? If you don't factor those in, you just can't.
0: Right. Um, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So the uh, and then the
1: amateurs, right? So people that are just getting started. I mean, I often get the question, you know, when I put data out and it's usually the professional side of the business that says, well, I don't charge that and none of my friends charge that so that this has got to be wrong. Well, I can pretty easily go and look in your market really quickly and find someone that'll do it for a lot less without much trouble at all. So, right you know you have to understand the entire market it, that's what it is and and i and i realized that um you know for someone that works in the professional side for them to see that and it's not what they charge i i i totally get it right but you have to understand my side of it is i'm just trying to help you understand what the real market is
0: right. the whole market you're I'm not you're not side. you're not basing the, the, the cost. And we have a couple of photographers in here. You're not basing the cost of the photographer or the average price based on the quality of their work. It could be the worst photographer in the world. That's he right. doesn't even know how to take pictures, but because he's taken pictures at weddings, he's kind of part of that average.
1: He is. I mean, cause when you ask the couple, they're the ones getting married, right? That's why I said they have the full picture. And so there, you know, there's lots of people that go to the courthouse and get, get their, get, their license and get married in the backyard there's lots of people that have a very small wedding there's lots of people that have huge weddings and there's lots right. of people that have all kinds. Of, i mean just there's so many spectrums of it it's crazy right so um i, I that's what I'm thinking about right just, just so you guys understand that's where I'm coming from it's not because I'm um trying to be biased one way or the other I'm trying to give you the real picture what is the real thing right I don't have any I don't have anything in this to like skew one way or the other to t- to, for, for some reason, right? I just want you to, I want to give you the best picture of the market I possibly can.
0: Right. Um, so what, what are you seeing in the past with, with the last survey you did? Yeah.
1: So I found the data. So basically uh, the way it came out was uh, about 26% of couples are postponing to later in 2020. Uh, most of those were coming from the April and May timeframe but i was also seeing some august and september folks postponing to later in 2020 for some reason or another i don't know people were doing it um 26.5 are moving to 2021 um those were basically like april to december so it was all over the board when it came to like when they were doing it i think a lot of times like if a date's important to someone uh or a certain you know whatever um then they're really trying to get back to that that date or whatever. Um, and then about 5.5% were canceling altogether, and most of those were coming like from April to June. Uh, and then about 42% were basically keeping the date they had. And this okay. is so just you know just put this in perspective. It's this might vary by market depending on the market and how the conditions are in your market, um, but this was across the board U.S. So. You know, as you know, like in the Southwest and probably some parts of California, uh, April, March are really beautiful months. And so that's when a lot of people are getting married, especially in Tucson. I'm in Tucson. This is like March and April are the times when people get married here and um, everything was done, right? Canceled. So um, and then so the way I was looking at it is I was thinking probably 27 to 32 percent of weddings we would have in 2020 would be pretty much kind of lost to um, 2021 or canceled altogether. Uh, So, and if you look at 2021, I was thinking, okay, well if people are rescheduling, you're probably gonna get a surge of about 20%, maybe 25% over what you would normally see, which is about 2.25 or 2.2 million people getting married every year. And so when you factor the loss and you factor in, uh, so the loss I was looking at about six hundred and sixty thousand weddings this year uh, which represents just without looking at spending numbers because I I need more data around that but uh, about that's about sixteen billion dollars in spending total and then a surge represented about five hundred thousand weddings more next year so which represents about twelve to thirteen billion dollars in total sales Um, so I was thinking probably the net loss is going to be between four and maybe 5 billion dollars hey. the net loss hopefully hopefully that's it but honestly um i think how people spend has changed quite a bit or how they're going to spend is going to change quite a bit many people were affected not just by you know um like i know a lot of people have already spent some money on their weddings so those will probably be okay but i'm sure they're going to cut back on guests i'm sure that you know you'll see some probably some much different patterns coming out of this.
0: Now, have you asked the question, mostly to the professionals, I guess, or actually it could be the professionals and the brides, um, what they might be either looking for in the future, meaning like we were talking before you came in, how buffets themselves will probably be a thing of the past. Um, I think serving at a buffet line with a sneeze guard kind of thing, might be coming to our future real soon. Um, you know, or a venue that might accommodate 300 is now going to accommodate 200, you know, with social distancing Mm -hmm. or, you know, one of our previous speakers, um, Alan, uh, was talking about the fact that if you don't, if you don't, if the bride doesn't see it, then it didn't happen. So like doing cleanings and stuff like that during the beginning of the event or, checking people's temperatures. Are you, did you ask any questions like that? That might be, okay. No,
1: I was just, I was really trying to get a feel for like how many weddings we were going to lose this year and or gain for next year. That was really just trying to understand that impact. Um, The next level of stuff was really, I'm going to ask will be probably around um, the economics part of it because I need to understand what that is so I can roll that back into the forecast. Um, Got it. But those are really good questions, and I think you will probably see a combination of all those things, right? Um, you know, there are some people that don't feel like this is much of a big deal, and that won't impact them. There's other people that feel like this is a really big deal, and it and and they're you know scared, rightfully, uh, to right. you know, so they're going to be they're they're going to be different, right? Uh, so I think you'll see things across the board. But um, I think we probably have changed quite a bit I don't think we know the economic so I was thinking about the economics of this like the worst thing that could have happened was probably 9-11 when we closed down air travel for a couple of days right and um, sorted through all that stuff and then uh, I was trying to get some economics data around the Spanish flu part back in the 1918 unfortunately uh, there's not a ton and you know we weren't as spread out as we are today I mean there wasn't that big of a population so right uh, I'm not sure. And business is so different today than it was then. I'm not sure it applies as much, but um, I don't know. We ha- I need to understand like how much income, I mean, I've, I've already heard things like I'm in, I'm in Arizona, I'm in Tucson. Like the U of A is already cutting uh, salaries of their staff by 20%. These are full-time is- employees boom, salary cut 20% just so they don't get laid off. So how is that? how are other big corporations actually going to be doing this, right? Are they gonna be cutting salaries just so that they can't lay people off to get through this year? How's that gonna impact them gotcha. later? I mean, how many people already live paycheck to paycheck, right, and don't right. have any savings to get them through? Um, on the survey I did to um, the, the the business folks, I asked a you know a private question about just to get their feedback about their feelings and various other things, and I got to be honest with you, there's there was a quite a few comments around people not being able to make it for the next month or two, uh, and then there were some that were like, hey, you know, we're not impacted as much right now because you know our weddings are later in the year or we planned for various different things and we had reserves and stuff like that. So it's across the board, but it's gonna there's gonna be a significant impact, I think. Um, <laughs>
0: Do you have any, any data on, on how many in our industry will not make it?
1: Um, I, I'm going to guess guess to say, I, well, I don't know yet, but um, just from the the people that were getting the most cancellations, um, most of the cancellations were coming from like the entertainment side, the catering and rental side. Uh, and my guess is as guest, guest counts shrink, that's probably gonna impact them significantly. Uh, The venues that have maybe rescheduled, sure. Can they make it, though, until then? Right? I don't know. I mean, I think some people are going to be, it just really depends on how well you prepared as a business um, to get through these things. And if you can get funding to help you get through these times, that's another thing, right? Um, Planning uh, and services side are probably, so I would say that the businesses that have the least barrier to entry, which is like planning, photography, DJ are probably going to be better there will probably be a couple of things happen there one is is they'll probably be less likely to lose their entire business unless they have quite a few employees and a larger business um but they'll also get us unfortunately get a large surge of people trying to get into that space and so you're probably going to see a surge of competition come into the space and it's going to put pressure on pricing and other things People that have a high barrier to entry like a venue, uh, those ones will probably be or a jewelry shop or the, the ones that have a high barrier to entry, like there's a lot of cost involved to get into that business. Those ones, those will be the ones that will be impacted the most, um, likely because they just don't have the business coming in. I'm, you know, rentals, right? It's not just weddings. Rentals do all kinds of things, all kinds of events. Well, if there's no big events going on where there's a bunch of people gathering, what the hell are they going to do? Right. Um, so, yeah, we, those guys are probably going to be
0: impacted big time. Quite a bit. We've I've actually talked to our two largest uh, uh, rental companies here in town, and each of them have talked about losses already oh, in yeah. the several hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, both of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, they already own the equipment, thank goodness. And uh, so it's something but that will – Think we'll, about it,
1: too. It's like it's a trickle-down effect on everybody that's downstream, right? So, okay, so now venues, they can't host events. Well, it trickles down to the rentals and to the catering folks. And then all the employees of those, they don't have work, right? So it trickles down into them and now they can't pay their bills. And so now the people that they rent from or buy homes from or whatever, they're not getting their money. So it's just this, it's a big, crazy mess. (laughs) Wow. The best way I can. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so back to the, the data collection, when you are talking to the professionals or, or the brides, again, it can, it can, yeah. can work both ways. Um, the question would be different, but the answer would might be the same. Are you finding, uh, or do you ask the question, how are they searching for the brides? In other words, are they using MySpace or Instagram, you know, kind of thing, obviously not using MySpace, but are you surveying what best marketing techniques that they seem to be using that oh yeah.
1: Work. So on my cost survey, I asked them those questions, uh, you know, where are they, where are they finding vendors and stuff? So on the cost survey, I do that. I actually need to publish last year's I just haven't got to it yet, but um, you know, the thing I'm seeing is obviously social media is huge for, for couples right now, uh, Pinterest, Instagram, Instagram is probably the Pinterest and Instagram are probably the biggest ones where they're just getting inspiration and looking for vendors. That's what I see personally. Um, but they're also using search, right? And people that they know, so people they know tells them who to go to. That's where they go, um, or they'll at least check it out. And if someone tells me who, you know, like, I mean, how do you, how do you, if someone says to you, or if you're looking for someone, you ask some questions, and they tell you, hey, go check out so and so. What's the first thing you do, right? I go Google it, right? Yeah. Go online. I'm looking, and then I go through whatever. Oh, okay. Look, here's their website. I go check them out. Oh, they're on social media. Oh, let me go look at their social media. So I think people, people do the same thing, right? It's, it's not any different than how you and I look for things when we need things, right? You need a whatever, right? You go look, you go just go search or you ask people, Hey, tell me, what do you think?
0: Okay. Um, Yeah. Okay. Um, Awesome. So, uh, so it looks like things are going to be a little struggling you know for the rest of the year probably um but uh beyond that things will uh, things will kind of come back with some changes it looks like i think you'll see
1: some changes but i think also too you know i think you'll see some innovation out of this right i mean people will figure out how to innovate and do new things to make the market better right um you know, as a business, you should be looking at all the stuff that you're doing and try to figure out how to streamline the things that you do, right? Look at your the services that you offer. It, everything you provide, is it is it necessary or can you scale it down a little bit and try to, you know, look, I really don't need to offer that. I mean, one of the things you can do is go back and talk to the people you've done business with and ask them, look, I gave you these six things in my package or whatever. Did you use these things? And then just get rid of the stuff no one's using. That's how you cut costs. Right there. And then um, look at opportunities to reach down into the market. So if you're a professional, like I, I interviewed someone uh, a couple of weeks ago. She owns uh, the farm in Rome, Georgia. And I don't know if you've heard of it, but basically it's a big, uh, uh, it's kind of out in the middle. Rome, Georgia is kind of like out in the middle of the country and northwestern Georgia. And they have this huge venue. And what they usually do is they rent this thing out over the weekend. And so it's usually a weekend deal. They have like 30 rooms and the whole thing. So it's, you know, you're talking like a $30,000, $40,000 wedding at, for the weekend. And, I, and we, as we were talking, she says, well, one of the things I've done is I've actually um, created something called pop-up weddings, which is not really a new term. It's just that's what she called it. And what she did is she said, look, I'm doing a four-hour event. Everything is included for the couple and I do it for 4,500 bucks. And so the, obviously depending on guest, right? But that's the base starting price, 4,500 bucks, four hour event. They come in and when they're not booked, she says, I'm doing tons of these. So what is she doing? She's t- she's a professional, she's got this beautiful property. They do 30, $40,000 weddings every weekend for the most part, but she's looking at opportunities to reach down into the market and go, look, what else can I do to grow my business? She also owns a couple of different businesses. She owns a, an event uh, service where she offers planning services. She she owns a uh, florist, uh, then, uh, you know, flower shop. They bought a donut shop, so they're doing catering for for like you know donuts and other stuff. So she's diversified a little bit within the space. But for the most part, she's looking at what can I do as a business to reach down. You should be looking at that too. Um, I, there's an interview live now up on the site that I did of a, a videographer uh, on uh, last week, actually. And um, his name's Charles. And he has three different brands. His first brand is basically where they do mostly commercial and um, drone footage stuff. And it's a higher end product that they offer, right? Because it's commercial and other stuff. They all they have a middle tier product, uh, which is a, a different brand where you know you're looking at five six seven thousand dollars to do business with them in that tier and then they have this lower end tier which is a completely different brand that they offer starting at 2500 bucks and he said basically 20 percent of my business at the middle tier is coming in from the lower tier because now and i asked him i said look so if you didn't have that lower tier would you even have a conversation with these people he said no probably not so the reason he he the fact that he's reaching down a little bit into the market is giving him an opportunity to have conversation with them and then moving him up in tier if, if that's what they want. And if not, figure out a way to, to deliver a product that you can deliver for a more reasonable
0: price. So it's more of an education process for the, the bride and groom. Yeah. You know, they, they come in thinking, Oh, I can get a DJ for 500 bucks. And then when you talk to them, you educate them a little bit on, you know the process that goes into it, the number of hours that goes into the planning, and the layout and the timeline and all that kind of stuff, and working with the other vendors, the photographers, and the right. coordinators, and you know the venues and stuff like that. So once you educate them, they have the funds and they're willing to spend them. They just didn't know.
1: Yeah, but could you? You know, the thing is, is could you offer a product at five hundred bucks? You probably could, and here's how you could do it, right? So let's say you're a professional. You've been doing this for long time you've got a good brand right well what if you found djs that were just trying to get started and you start mentoring these guys and you you train them a little bit and you get them in and you reach, you create a lower tier product and you get them doing the lower tier events you streamline it so that they're only spending a few hours there you're still making a little bit of money right on the deal you're getting experience under your brand but you have this lower tier product and they're moving you know then they move up so there's opportunity for you to still make money in the space without having to say, Oh, I only do this when you can do this too.
0: Okay. Awesome. So um, does anybody have any questions uh, for Shane? Uh, Just yeah, either raise your hand or, Oh, by the way, welcome Alex. Uh, Alicia, let me bring you in. Hello. All right, Alicia, you're there. How are
2: you now? There we go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't have a, I don't have a question. I just have a
2: input on, on what you guys are touching on. Um, we used to have 24 people on our staff and I did offer the lower, um, the lower end photography, which, uh, we completely named it a new brand and so forth. The only problem was that everybody associated Valdefi with, we called it snap photography with snap. So they weren't paying us the top end dollar, but that's what they were expecting from the snap photography so we tried it for about six months it didn't quite work out because in the end we ended up giving everybody the Valdefi product so we had to end that as far as uh for us in photography
1: gotcha that's good feedback
0: they knew you were connected to Valdefi, or snap was connected to Valdefi, so they expected the same level of brand and service and quality uh, exactly
2: because we were like well, you know, we have assistant photographers that, are, that have been trained with us. They've been working with us for, you know, over a year now. They've they got 30 weddings under their belt. They'll go out there, they'll do it, and they'll do it for this much. Obviously, it was under our company, but we were introducing it as, as an assistant photographer going out there. Well, when the assistant photographer went out there and he didn't give them everything that Valvify package gave them, they were always like, well, we really wanted this. We really want this and so forth. So we were back to giving them what we would have gave them at a much higher price.
1: Yeah, but is that really a failure of that process or a failure of educating them ahead of time and making sure they understand exactly what they're getting? Um, you know what I mean? It's kind of sure oh, no, we put we, a lot of thought into it. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we did. We, we had a whole different consultation with them, a whole different price list. Um, everything we showed them exactly what they were getting, and they were all gun, you know, gun hope for it. But then at the end, after the wedding and so forth, they were like, Well, can we get this? Can we get that? And obviously, we were like, Yeah, of course, you can get anything you'd like, but um, it's going to cost more, you know. And that's, the, that's where the pro- we ran into the problem where at the end, they wanted more.
0: Gotcha. Thanks, Licio. Yeah, um, thanks. Alex, you had a question.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, that's a little different in the restaurant business. What I like doing, I like yeah, getting them in low, as low as possible, with uh, with entry package and then building them up, but, uh, but walking them through the whole process. You know, we, we offer the, the – we call it the potberry pack. That's the cheapest one we offer, and that's the most popular. But then we – and then we make them feel good about it. Meanwhile, we're also telling them about – we're also walking them through the process as far as, you know what, we might not be the cheapest, but we, we're, um, we're, we're, com- we're fully, fully licensed. And I, I tell them all the pros about it. And I also let them know, you know what? There's people doing it from their house. They're going to do it really cheap. I can't compete against them. But right. they're not licensed. They're not insured. there's this and that. Then, so I start walking through the process. They feel a lot more comfortable. Then they start they themselves start upgrading. Oh, what, what if we do um, uh, steak instead of a chile verde? What do we do this? But I'll, I hook them at the beginning. And I was, it kind of, it's kind of like I was watching an episode of The Prophet last night, and it was one of them who was buying uh, cars, or buying a company that, that sells cars, and the guy that, that he was, that, that was running the company before he bought it, um, was, uh, was doing an appraisal, and he got has the guy, the, the owner of the car, sit inside the office, while this guy would go do the appraisal to see if he's going to buy his car, at the dealership, they, they buy uh, wholesale cars. Meanwhile, the guy's inside the office, biting his nails, this guy's doing the appraisal, he goes in, gives them the price, and this guy's like, are you crazy? But then the profit guy, the marketing DeMona, goes, why don't you get him with you, walk him through the whole appraisal, show them all the, the problems that you saw with the car, let them see the, the scratches, the dings, the this and that, and then they'll start understanding when you come in with, uh, with whatever bid you come in, they'll understand, they won't be surprised, they won't be in the office just biting the nails and, and saying, this guy's going to rob me, this guy's going to rob me. Same thing with us, go in, I walk him through, I I I I tell them all the pros and cons, and then as soon as I as soon as I grab them, I I get them for the low package. Then they themselves are gonna start wanting, hey, how about we do this? How about we do yeah. that? If I go straight to the, the 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 deluxe package, of course they're gonna shoot me down. Yeah, yeah
1: that's, that's what Charles does. Yeah, that's exactly what Charles was doing. He basically gets them in on the low tier, and then they he just tells them what's included, talks about everything he does, and then you know. Uh, gives them the pros and cons of everything and then they go, oh well what about this and what about that and then well that's included in this over here in this service so yeah
3: like in the photography I'm assuming well, I don't i don't know I've never been a photographer but i'm i don't know if you could tell them you know what maybe down this is this is not going to be included or, or something like that I don't know it's it's yeah. totally different totally different game than what I'm in
1: yeah and the unfortunate part is as soon as you tell them well sorry that's not what you signed up for then they go bad mouth you online and then
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> at least so you're in
2: yeah um, we did uh, end up booking a lot more people that ended up going with the value package versus a snap package once we explained everything to them so we did end up upgrading a lot of people uh, to uh, the value package but the few that did say that were on a really tight budget and they went with the snap um, uh, photography those not everyone either just some and yeah. it only takes, you know, two bad reviews to bring you to four point eight stars. So But weren't you doing were you doing a, a separate name? Not, not not affiliated to your original name? Well, because Snap Photography was assistant photographers that we had. So it was like it was like their own company. We were sending out our assistant photographers to cover the the event, um and not us. So so they were getting uh, a huge price break. In the end, like uh, sometimes, if we didn't have a wedding that day and um, we sent out Snap Photography, I would go with them. You know, so they'd end up getting me at the end, and they were really happy about that. But I could never guarantee them myself because if I got booked, then I wasn't going to be able to go. Um, for the most part, everybody was happy. They either upgraded or they were very happy with them because our assistants were well trained. They had you know 20, 30 weddings under their belt already, uh, but there was a few clients that complained, and I don't like one complaint. If I get one complaint, I'm gonna I, I got to do something about it. Yeah. So after getting three or four complaints throughout the you know the the eight year course that we ran this, uh, then I had to change it. I said no, you know what? We'll offer a smaller package as the fee, but it'll be us with an assistant. You know so. That's what we ended up going to. What about separating your company altogether? Two different companies, one a lower end, one a higher end. And and then the guy, the know. guy, the guy will run off and do their own thing. <laughs> <laughs> True.
3: True. All right, I got Thank you. you.
1: Thank you, Lisa. I mean, Thank you, Alex. Is it really bad to get a couple bad reviews? I mean, the reality is, is that yeah, you're not going to have. I mean, I get the five star deal, but you know, the thing is, is that not you're not going to please everybody, and I think consumers understand that, and I think if they read something. And then if you just reply, because when you reply, you're really replying for anybody else that's reading it. If you reply in a positive, professional manner, they they're they're not going to look at that and go like, ah, these guys suck because they got a 4.8 now, and because they got a couple <laughs> bad reviews, these guys didn't get what they wanted.
3: You got to be very very careful how you reply though. If he's telling me you, if he if he doesn't put it very professional and say. Basically, you get what you pay for. Oh, well, of course not in those words, but <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah.
1: we do offer you a better package,
3: words. and you turned it down. Then you'll still you'll still be the the villain here.
1: Yeah. Well, like Maybe. I said, you're not going to please everybody. You guys got to understand that. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's not right.
3: Right now, I got two different companies. Uh, we did. We got Lamina, of course, and now we got SoCal, uh, Tamal. I really don't want them to be mixed in any uh, shape or form. I try keep them very independent because uh, big is full of small. If something happens, it could, you know. And we got lots of different companies. We got um, Bootleggers, we got uh, Fresco Grill, we got um, La Mina, and we got SoCal. And but one of the reasons because some of them are uh, like my sister got uh, owns some, my brother owns some. What that's one of the reasons. Yeah. But last time is just good diversifying. Open up another company under another name because if something, if something tragic does happen that they shut you down for whatever bad reason, well, not everybody's gonna suffer. In the, you know, and if you got a really bad Facebook review or you you fight it out with somebody in Facebook on accident or what have you, then you know you still got, you know, and and all that stuff blows over anyways. Regardless, I, I was um I was uh, the health department. Uh, health department rep, asked me to represent. Or help them pass the law about the illegal street vendors. Uh so there I go. I mean I had I had like twenty twenty not about thirty or forty restaurants backing me up, although we had a, something called the Mexican uh, chamber, uh Mexican uh restaurant association, uh, Kern County Mexican Restaurant Association. And so we had about we, uh, the first uh, the first meeting we had the health department, everybody showed up. Matt Constantine was even impressed. He's like, Damn, Alex, how'd you get so many people? And I go, Well, we're pretty passionate about it. So um so he asked, "Could you uh, could you talk um, about uh, your about this in front of the supervisors? Because we need funding for law enforcement. We need to be able to confiscate all this stuff." So I'm like, "You know what, man? I've been uh, I've known you for a long time, and let's let's go ahead and do it." So I did it, and unfortunately, I sh- when I when I did do it, and I, I went up in front of the supervisor, I I mm-hmm. I, I told him I, I told him I was uh, from a restaurant, which I sh- probably shouldn't have. I should have said more like the Mexican Restaurant Association, and. <laughs> I, 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 we fought pretty good at it and boom, they passed the law, but I got all kinds of crap on Facebook because of it. And I mean, really bad saying, why do you want to stop people from making a living in the streets and you're just a hater and your food sucks and you're this and you're that and you're that. And even my dad's like, hey, why did you, why did you, why why would you want to do that? I said, well, you know, I was helping out the health department, didn't think about the consequences, but it'll blow over. And I was pretty nervous for about a week. But after about a week, half, two weeks, then everything, everything kind of stopped.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Alex. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, do we have any other questions for, uh, for Shane? All right. So, Shane, um, tell us how people can get a hold of you, uh, your website, stuff like that. and. Uh...
1: Sure. Uh, the website is wedding.report. Um, you can email me at shane at wedding.report. Uh, or you can give me a call, 520-399-8580, either one. Text me, too. You can text me that number as well.
0: Cool. We'll, we'll include all that in the show notes. Any, uh, any parting uh, thoughts? or?
1: Um, just, you know, I, I would. the biggest thing I would say is try to take this time to figure out and take the things you're doing in business, try to figure out how you can streamline what it is you're doing to cut your expenses so you can reduce your costs. And then just look for ways that you can reach down into the market. That's where, the, I mean, a lot of the opportunity, there's tons of opportunity in the market, I'm telling you now, there's 50 plus market, there's you know, lower end, there's, there's so many ways to make money in this market. You just have to be able to look at the data. Take, the, take your data from your business. If you're not collecting data today, I beg you to start collecting data about your customers, who they are, where they live, what their demographics are, if you can so that you can figure out where other people are like them. Um, that's what you want to do is and then look at what you're making from them. Look at the, like, if you're selling different things, what are you making the most profit from? It might actually be something you didn't realize you were making the most profit from this thing. And you're, you're trying to sell this other thing that's this big, whatever but you've been making most the most profit from the smaller thing. Focus on that. Whatever you're making the most profit from focus on that. So, Figure out what your profit margins are for the things that, you're, that you're, you're providing. Streamline that as best you can and try to focus on and, and find opportunities to reach down, uh, reach out into different opportunities. There's so many things out there.
0: Yeah, you know. Know, there is a follow-up question to that. When you say as far as gathering the data in your business, yeah. how do you, obviously some things will become obvious when you see somebody, you'll know their gender, you'll know their approximate age range you'll know things like that um but how do you get information that you may not you know so shane you're my groom how much do you make you know so i need so number
1: one you have their address right so if you have their address then you pretty much know what zip code they live in so if you know what zip code they live in there's tons of demographics on zip codes you can figure out what the average large income is for that zip code, and you can just correlate that back to that person. Number two, ask them what kind of work they do. Okay. What do you do for a living, right? Right. right. And if, once you understand what they do for a living, then you can correlate the fact that oh, this guy's a lawyer or this guy's a uh, software engineer, and then you can correlate that back to zip code, which is where they live, right? And then back to the type of work they do, and then that back to income, so you can always connect those dots. So okay. that's how you, I mean, just look for the obvious things, right? Like number of guests, which is obvious, but you know, you know their gender, but what kind of work do you do?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Where do you live? And, and then, you know, try to look at like, um, so the, the, where you live, the, the geography part is really important, I think, because, you know, um, a lot of people really don't understand their geography uh, from a perspective of their market. Right. You know, you just think, oh, like, there's this whatever I'm in this county. But how many counties are in your I mean, obviously, in the West, there's only one county in Bakersfield. So the, the, the funny thing about the West part of the U.S. is that usually the metropolitan areas are one county or one part of a county. So try to understand like zip codes, cities around you, and then try to figure out what the demographics are of those and then figure out where you're how far people are traveling from you. Okay. business with you. So if you live like, you know, in one zip code, but most of your business is coming from say, you know, 20 or 30 miles out in the market, maybe you should be looking at that market as an opportunity to be marketing to more. There's so many, I mean, like you can do that with Google ads. You can do that with probably Facebook ads uh, to actually market to the specific zip codes. So I don't know. Those okay. are, those are opportunities.
0: Okay. Okay. And and give you guys one
3: last thought that I was thinking. I'm at a disadvantage, in Lamont, Lamont is a small town. Doesn't got Facebook. Well, it does, but it's not that popular because mostly Hispanics, older age Hispanics. I they don't got reads, They don't got Grubhub. They don't got none none of that stuff. So I'm thinking me me and my sis, me and my wife, and my son were uh, sat down thinking, All right, what could we do? So we started thinking outside the box. You know, and it's 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 weird times call for weird measures. And so. <laughs> Yeah. I'm thinking, all right, what are we gonna do? We started brainstorming. What do, what I do? I got a trailer, I put a banner on it, I'm driving around Lamont, you know, let them know that we're open, because some people didn't even know that we were open. This was right after the governor announced uh when was it like March twelfth or something like that? Mm-hmm. And so um so we had to let the people know that we were open. So that was and I'm driving around my my and my truck my wife's like, Are you really gonna drive around your truck with a trip pulling a trailer with a couple of banners? I said, Baby, that's your time just for measures. I gotta mm-hmm. do something, right? So we did that. We uh, we did uh, we did little uh, little uh, flyers and we put them in uh, uh, markets of the people that I know that own markets, gas stations, whatever. Then we started giving away uh, rice and beans with uh, dry rice, dry beans when it will, when, they, when they weren't too easy to get a hold of. Uh, through Cisco, we all, we were always getting rice and beans because Cisco always had it because they're like a disaster relief company or something like that. But they always had access to rice and beans. So a uh, purchase uh, of twenty five dollars or more, I gave them a two pound bag of rice. Or two-pound bag of beans, they they decide, and they're like, "Are you serious?" It's, the customer, We're like, "Are you serious? You're gonna give us rice? You're gonna give us so?" And then that creates people talking and talking. I see I'm a disadvantage because I don't got the, all that all that other technology in Lamont. So no. between those two or three things, and I guess what I'm saying is everybody should sit down with their business partner or with their wife or with their family members, whoever's in the business with them, and saying, "Hey, what can we do outside the box? Yeah. You know, whatever it takes, outside the box." That's that's that's
0: what I'm saying, Uh, Alex. Based on what you just said, one of the things I actually you you could actually do, um, pretty pretty reasonably actually, is do a mailing to every door. It's called Every Door Direct Mail in Lamont, and that's looks like I'm pulling up right now on. uh, Well, here I'll share my screen real quick with you, uh, so you can see it Uh, there there. So if you did a mailing. To the Lamont area, you have three thousand nine hundred and thirty-four addresses right there. Um, Seven hundred and fifty-one dollars is the the mailing cost. So you're talking, you know, you know, twenty cents a, a name to mail a postcard to everybody. All these, all these uh, blue ones right here, basically. Right,
3: we've done that before. We've done yeah. that before. So uh, this time, this time, how much did that was? Uh, because uh, you know budgets are difficult, difficult right now too. Yes. So we've done that in the past. I think we paid like five to seven hundred dollars in the in the past. True. Right. Now this time, this time out of emergency, just I just went. I just pinned the mob, took him right, right, uh, down. Yeah. But you're right. To hit, the, to hit the, the the houses, I should probably do something like that.
0: Yeah. You do something like that, your overall cost would probably be about fifteen hundred dollars between the printing and mailing and everything else, if that much, and you hit every single yeah. door. Shane, do
1: you, do you get? People from different parts of the area come visit your restaurants? I mean, I would imagine well, you, you do.
3: If we're talking about Lamont. I get people from Lamont and Auburn pretty much only, unless they're traveling, going by, unless they're there for work, like if they work at the courthouse and they live in Bakersfield, they don't get some of those. But unless uh, they're traveling through, uh, I'm in a pretty trafficked uh, street, so that kind of helps.
1: What about tech companies and stuff? Because, you know... Um, is there any tech companies over there near you? No,
3: no, no, not in, in, in Lamont,
0: <laughs> Shane. Oh. You see here, this yeah. is Bakersfield yeah. over here. Um, Kern, agriculture. What's interesting about Kern County is if I zoom out, this is Bakersfield. Yeah, you know, this over here is Taft. This over here is Delano. We're none of the cities are like like in you know, Orange County, one city bleeds into the next city. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, Pretty spread out there. Yeah, and like Lamont is here, but then you've got you know Weed Patch Highway. Then this I oh, got Bakersfield for about Lamont's mostly field workers
3: more
2: than anything. Hey, hey
0: Alex, you got to yeah. hit all the uh, people out here in
2: Arvin on the on the ski lakes. If we all hit Go to El Pablo. Oh, you're missing yeah, you the see.
3: boat. <laughs> I know. Hey, That's what I was getting I at. I don't know what to do about that. Yeah, I know. That's that. what I was getting at
1: because like. Um, when when i mean i know people here like they have food trucks and stuff that are like miles away from where i live but i have a group of guys that i get together with and we go hit up the food trucks that are miles away from here right like just for lunch yeah. let's go actually i got a food truck Well, the,
3: the, the socal is the, the the part of the company that's called socal that's a food truck and it's doing phenomenal right now i mean yeah. but my son's running it. He got really creative. He's done a lot. That one's in town in Bakersfield. That's so on he District. he was able to capitalize, yeah, on District Ganache. Yeah. He was able to capitalize. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks, man. Very cool. So he was happy like all, did, all that crazy stuff.
1: I'm sitting, yeah, I'll get you in the lights out here because it's, it's packed on the weekends.
3: Yeah? Were well, you over there on, uh, on, Muller, on, Muller, on Muller Road or something like that? Yeah, on, I'm on, on, on the the, Banana off of, off of Tahoe. So, yeah, okay. there's 15 more off of wheat patch. Well, okay, off of wheat patch highway. We've done catering's over there with a uh, wheat patch highway.
0: Hey, Shane, so I have I have another one more, you know, yeah. one more question. Um, this okay. is actually something that I actually spoke on years ago up in uh, um, Tehachapi. They were actually trying to shut down a venue um, due to noise ordinance and stuff like that. One thing I brought in was not only the statistics of what the impact was by not having the wedding there. So they, the, the caterer wasn't working the DJ wasn't working yeah. and the venue wasn't working and the limousine company and the videographer, so on and so forth. But I also brought to their attention the overall economic impact to the town a hundred, yeah. you know, that, that venue held about a hundred people because it's a small town. I would dare bet 75 of the hundred traveled in, which means yeah. they stayed in a hotel. They bought mm-hmm. gas. They went to the convenience store. They might have went to an amusement of some sort, whether it's the park or uh, yep. the yep. train yep. or whatever. So do you bring in statistics like that sometimes that also says the overall value of yeah. one wedding could be this price? So this that, is next,
1: um, that is like the next thing I want to do. Because remember I was telling you, I'm, I'm really trying to understand the full economics and that's what I provide. So understanding the full economics allows you to actually do that. So, um, there's a little more data I need to collect. Uh, some of it is around and I actually started doing this a while back, but like what percentage of people travel into a wedding, right? Depending on where it is, like if it's a remote area, obviously more people travel in. So what does that look like? Well, what else do they spend? They buy hotels, they rent cars, uh, they, you know, you know, airfare, they, they spend money. I'm talking about local, right? So local would be, it would be food lodging, tours, things like that, that you could get locally, that's where they're spending money. And then, okay, well, what's the tax impact of that? Right? So, right. Okay. So you need to understand the tax impact. You need to understand the employment impact. You need to understand the fact that people are traveling in. What are they spending? I think if you can package that together, then you can really say, look, here's the economic impact of weddings in your market. And this doesn't right. include people that live there and get married. So people that live there and get married, There's actually a really good study from the University of Virginia. They were talking about like cohabitation and marriage. And one of the things that they were talking about is people that actually get married actually generate more wealth uh, long-term. And so um, when people generate more wealth long-term, what does that mean for your economy locally? Right? That means they're buying houses. That means they're buying cars. That means they're buying furniture and all these other things that they would do. They're having a family, they're going to school, they're paying more taxes. So what does that economic impact look like for people that live locally? Now, yes, people that cohabitate, buy houses also, but generally the wealth growth or the contribution to the local economy is not as much as someone that gets married. So I would really like to be at like phase two of this whole wedding report thing would be like, what is the economic impact to the market by you promoting weddings? Like, And then help. hopefully it will help like change laws, like. One of the problems in like New Orleans, and I've been working with those guys for a really long time to help them kind of like get them stats to help them change laws there is that there's this three day waiting period for you to get your license. So wow. for some people that travel in New Orleans, they have to plan ahead at least three days before they're getting married to come in, get their license, they have to do a bunch of other stuff also the licensing office doesn't stay open very late on friday so if you're coming in friday and you're getting married on sunday you're kind of screwed unless you get there on thursday so um what is the economic impact right and so we're trying i'm trying to build that into the next phase uh so that i can help with the law stuff i can help with the local uh governments to help them make sure they understand look this is the impact of weddings you should be supporting your local wedding vendors you should be supporting the people that uh, that are working in the space, right? So that because you're generating a lot of income from this,
0: right? The average guest is probably, and this is obviously a big average, but the average guest is probably worth two hundred and fifty three hundred dollars in in revenue, yeah, for more. For yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. like I said, you know, they're going to go out to dinner the night before. They're going to rent a car. They're renting a hotel room, and yeah, you know, what if they money. stay right?
1: Like if you come, like you know, Bakersfield is not very far from some really nice places in, right. in, um, in California. So what if they fly in and they stay for an extra week, right? What does that impact?
0: Exactly. So the value of a wedding, we are just, we are just the most valuable thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 but there is a huge, huge economic yeah. value to weddings, not just the money that I make as a DJ or Alicia as a right. photographer or whatever, you know, there's other impacts that,
1: well, and then it's trickle down again, right? Like you hire people to help you do stuff, right? You spend money on services for local, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you know, um, all of those things get, you know, that's, that it has an impact. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, well, awesome. Um, again, one last chance for everybody. If you have a question, uh, let me know. Otherwise, Shane, thank you so much for being a part of it. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Okay. Hey, no, Shane, thank you me. very much.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys uh, stay safe and healthy and uh, feel free to reach out anytime I'm here.
0: Will do. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you guys. I'm glad you guys were able to join us. Thank you guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed our interview today with Shane McMurray from the wedding report. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google player again, whatever podcast you're using and please take a moment to review us and let us know what you thought. We truly appreciate it. It makes all the difference in the world. If you want to check out the video and show notes from today's podcast, you can find them on our website, WeddingTalkRadio.com, and just click on Shane's profile, and everything is there. Again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.